0: we got a big problem get away from her you bitch i don't remember asking you a goddamn thing by the way ladies and gentlemen as always this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment all righty then hello and welcome back this is Storytime, and i am gamer dude glad to have you with us for some more stories this week we're talking about movies again You know I love the movies, and of course we have to keep going back to them, because I always go to the movies or watch the movies, pull out the DVDs, sit down, watch some movies. I love watching movies. It's one of my favorite things to do. So today we're going to be talking about movies, but this week we're talking about overrated movies. And after we talk about the movies, we're going to talk about ten more movie tropes that are just overused. We'll get to those in a few minutes. But first, the overrated movies. Now, overrated is always a subjective term. We all know that. We all accept that. Everybody's got their own opinions. What's the old saying? One man's junk is another man's treasure. My overrated movies may be some of your favorite movies. But my overrated list is based on movies that I've seen that I hear people talk wonderful things about and I just don't understand it. I'm not saying these movies are necessarily bad movies. But in my opinion, they just don't warrant the excessive exuberance people have for them. I just don't get it. And I will say, some of these movies I think are bad movies, but that's just my opinion. You, of course, are more than welcome to share your take on these movies. You can throw your opinions up in the comments section, take me to task in the Discord we have. I'm always interested in your opinions. These are just mine. So we've got ten overrated movies, and they span the field of every possible genre you can think of. The first one is a hard one for me to put on the list, because I love the Marvel movies. I don't love all of them equally, as this movie establishes, but I do enjoy the Marvel movies. I enjoy the Marvel Universe, although, as an aside, I think I'm kind of done with the Marvel Universe after Endgame. Okay, I'm done. Thanks. I don't need to see another 25 Marvel movies. I'm good. But that's a topic for another podcast. The first overrated movie, for me, is Captain America The First Avenger. I know, I know. Shh, wait, wait. Shh, shh, shh. Don't Don't go Don't go crazy. I love Captain America. When I was a kid, I had a Captain America action figure. I love Captain America. He was one of my favorite and first superheroes. I thought he was really cool. Plus, I love the movie, for the most part. I love Chris Evans. He's in the movie. I think he's really good. He does a great job playing Captain America. And we've got Haley Atwell in there. Oh, I love Haley Atwell. She's such a good actress. Plus, Natalie Dormer. If you've never seen Natalie Dormer, she's awesome. But all that aside... And forgetting that I love everything Cap stands for. I hated the ending of this movie. Spoiler alert. His plane crashes into the ocean and he's frozen for 70 years. The guy had a week and a half on the plane at the end of the movie. He could have had a parachute. He could have jumped out of the plane and flapped his arms and maybe survived. The ending was just too contrived for me. It was painfully contrived. So much so that it ruined the rest of the movie for me. And that's a lesson that I've learned in movies over the years. Sometimes one scene can ruin the entire movie for you. And that's what Captain America's ending did for me. It ruined the whole movie for me. And I know people love Captain America, I know that people rate it highly. I don't. The next one on the list Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. Stanley Kubrick is a revered director. People love him. He's done a lot of well-known movies, including The Shining. He did A Clockwork Orange. He did Full Metal Jacket. But he's also got two of the most overrated movies, in my opinion, on this list. And the first one is The Shining. Now, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, especially of The Shining. It was one of my favorite books. But in my opinion, Jack Nicholson is not Jack Torrance. It was horrible casting. I mean, Jack in the book was a normal, everyday Ward Cleaver kind of dad, who went psycho. Jack Nicholson comes into the movie Psycho, so it's not really a stretch for him to get there as the movie develops. That's problem one. Shelley Duvall as The Misses? No. And then, Kubrick changed major plot points in the book. Spoilers coming up. He took out the topiaries and replaced them with a maze. And people say, oh, that was a masterful genius stroke. It wasn't. The topiaries had a specific role in the book. And taking them out of the movie just removes that whole thing. It removes the whole supernatural aspect of what's going on at the hotel. And that's just one of the things. The other major thing, he rewrote the ending. The ending he gave us is not how the book ended. I mean, you just don't take a classical masterpiece of writing, which, in my opinion, The Shining is, and change the ending because you want to do something different. What's the point of making the movie of the book, then? Now, don't get me wrong, there's some great scenes in the movie. Here's Johnny is one of those classic Jack Nicholson lines from the movie. Although, it really doesn't have a place in The Shining. But that's just me. To me, this is a less-than-stellar version of a great story. And I don't understand why people call it a cinematic masterpiece. And if you look, they do. It's not. Number three on the list, Scarface. I know, I know. Oh, it's a great movie. It captures the 80s. It's really a great story about the drug dealer who makes good. Well, he doesn't really make good. He's a drug dealer who becomes successful. A lot of unnecessary violence. The great line, say hello to my little friend. Everybody says it. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's a good action picture. It's a good 80s picture. It captures the spirit of the kind of movie it was. But Scarface is some kind of cinematic masterpiece as well. Mm, No, not so much. Next is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, is this such an overrated movie to me. Now, don't get me wrong. This is another movie where I love the people in the movie, but the movie itself, it was kind of meh for me. I mean, I love Tom Hardy. I think he's really good. I don't think I've seen him look the same in any movie that he's been in. Every movie he's in, he looks like somebody different. But he did a great job of what they gave him in this movie. And what they gave him is not a lot. There's not a lot of plot for Tom. I love Charlize Theron. I think she's a great actress. She's brilliant. Every award she's ever won, she deserves. She's incredibly good at whatever role they put her in. But just like with Tom, there's not a lot for her to chew on in this plot. Plus, it's a remake of some movies that I really, really liked. Now, the original Mad Max movies had Mel Gibson. And I know people have their issues with Mel Gibson. The guy could act. There's no question about it. The guy could act. And if you can divorce yourself from the kind of person that he is, Mel Gibson is really good. And he was really good in the Mad Max movies. And the Mad Max movies, to me, far better action pictures, far better post-apocalyptic fantasies than Mad Max Fury Road. And as long as we're talking about divorcing the personality from the person, Woody Allen's movie Annie Hall is revered by many as one of the greatest movies ever. Woody Allen... Say what you will about him as a person, and what I say is he's not a great person. But people love him as a director? I don't get it. I don't get it. This is one of only two movies on this list that I haven't actually been able to watch all the way through. Every movie on this list I've seen all the way through except this one and the next one. I can't get through Annie Hall. It's like, (laughs) really? Do I have to keep watching? If I was supposed to do a review of this movie, I couldn't because I can't get through it. I've seen bits and pieces of it over the years. I tried to sit down and watch it from the beginning. I jumped in in the middle at one point, and it's like, it's it's too tedious. It's, it's just not good. I don't like Woody Allen's style. I don't like his voice. I don't like anything that he puts up on the screen. It's all the same stuff. People go back to some of his early stuff in the 60s and the 70s. I tried to watch one of his early movies, too. I forget which one it was. Bananas, maybe? He had some stupid movies out in the 60s and 70s. I couldn't watch that either. Couldn't get through it. But Annie Hall as one of the greatest movies of all time? Mm, No, not so much. Another movie that people rave about and tell me, Oh, Gamer Dude, you'll love this movie. Super bad. Mrs. Gamer Dude and I sat down to try to watch that one night. This is the other movie on this list that we just couldn't get through. I couldn't get through it. We tried. We put it on. We let it go for 20, 25 minutes. And it was just painfully stupid. People love this movie, and I'm not one of them. Now, maybe it's because I didn't watch it while I was young. Maybe that has something to do with it. Some people say the humor is great. I mean, yeah, the McLovin' thing is kind of funny. But the whole concept of the movie and the jokes and the acting and the... It it was just too stupid for me. We couldn't finish it. So yeah, I don't get super bad. Next up, The Fast and the Furious. What I need to know is... How did this film manage to get not one, not two, not three, what was it, eight sequels, and now a spinoff series? The Fast and the Furious is a giant car chase movie, really. I mean, the action is great and it's fun to watch, but people love The Fast and the Furious, the original one, and all of the sequels. I'm not including all of the sequels, although you probably could. I mean, it's a good action movie, but as one of the greatest around, as one of these ones you hang your hat on, as an example of great action movies, it's okay. But I don't get the enduring and unending appeal of the original Fast and the Furious, or, honestly, any of the sequels. Okay, we've got three biggies left on the list. The first one, Top Gun. Don't get me wrong, I love Top Gun. I think it's a great movie for its time. It was a great commentary on the way things were in the 80s. But as one of the greatest movies around, and as a movie that everyone was waiting for a sequel for, which is coming out, mm, no. I liked it. I liked the fighter jet scenes. I liked the training. Spoiler alert. I hate when Goose dies. I think that's horrible. They plucked all the heartstrings that they could. But it's not a great movie. I mean, it's a great movie, but it's not a great movie, if you know what I mean. It's not one of those that you're going to stack up against some of the all-time greats like Citizen Kane and Casablanca. It's a good movie. It's just a little overrated as far as I'm concerned. Next on the list, Titanic. Yes, it's a blockbuster movie. Yes, it clocks in at, what was it, three and a half, four hours long? But basically, the movie is, the young couple meets, they find a mutual attraction... They hook up, the boat hits an iceberg, the boat sinks, and he sacrifices himself so she can live. There, just saved you three and a half hours. I mean, it's not like it's a big secret what happens at the end of the movie. Iceberg, dead ahead! We knew that was coming! And yeah, I mean, they have some really epic special effects in here, and it's really well done. Ooh, they showed us how the boat sank. Not a heavy lift, but they did a really good job of doing it. But as one of the greatest movies around, one of the best movies of all time, as even an incredibly epic movie, uh, it's okay. I watched it when it came out. I had it on VHS for years because I thought that I'd rewatch it. I never did. We've gotten rid of the VHS. I still have a VCR and I didn't even keep the VHS tape because I knew I'd never sit down and watch it again. It's like, uh, boat sinks. And by the way... There was plenty of room on that hunk of wood that she was hanging on to. He could have survived. I'm just saying. Finally, Stanley Kubrick returns to the list with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh my god, this is a tedious movie. I read the original book. The book was good. It's a science fiction book. And it's well done. Once again, Stanley Kubrick taking a book and turning it into an impossibly long and boring movie. It's broken up into essentially three parts. Spoiler alert, the beginning has apes finding a monolith and discovering the use of weapons in the form of sticks. I remember the ape throwing a stick up in the air as one of the triumphant moments of the first segment. Then the long, boring middle segment has the space trip out to Jupiter. And this is one where there's the evil computer taking over the mission. I can't do that, Dave. That's how the evil computer... It came on TV, I want to say six months ago, and I said, you know, I haven't seen this in ages. So I put it on and watched from the beginning. And it was tedious beyond belief. I remember trying to watch it when I was younger and trying to figure it out because I'd read the book and I didn't think it would be that difficult to do. It was. And then some of the long, slow, pedantic pans through space and through the space station, it just takes forever Anything to happen in this movie. And yeah, there's some tension towards the end between Hal and Dave. And then there's the third segment, which is like way over my head. I'm not a dumb man. I get symbolism. I can read into things. But this just got weird. And again, too, too, too long. Oh my God, he tortures me. Kubrick tortures me with his movies. I tried to watch A Clockwork Orange years and years ago. Couldn't get through it. It didn't even make my list because it's not as highly rated as some of his others. Never tried to watch Full Metal Jacket because it's Stanley Kubrick. Pretty much any movie that he's associated with, I've decided I probably don't need to watch that. After The Shining and 2001 A Space Odyssey, I'm quite confident I don't need to see any more Stanley Kubrick movies. That's just me talking. Other people love them. I'm just not one of them. Okay, so there's your ten overrated movies. Let me know what you think. You probably disagree with some of those. I expect you will. But these next 10 movie tropes, I'm betting you're not going to disagree with any of them. Movie tropes, in case you don't remember, or in case you've forgotten, or in case this is new to you, movie tropes are overused cliches that you see over and over again in movies. Like, number one, the person who takes off their glasses and instantly becomes much more attractive. Whether it's a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, male or female, if you have the glasses on and you take the glasses off, all of a sudden you're a supermodel. How many times have we seen that? Do we need to keep seeing it? Then there's the one where if you have a bobby pin, sometimes a credit card will work too. But if you have a bobby pin, you can pick pretty much any lock there is. It's true that a credit card can sometimes be used to slide a lock open in rare and unique circumstances that in this day and age probably don't exist anymore. It takes a certain kind of lock to use a credit card to open. By the way, that whole concept was panned beautifully in the Naked Gun series. But the bobby pins to pick a lock, how often does that come up? It happens all the time. The other thing that happens all the time is in a movie or in a TV show, if your lead character turns on the TV or turns on the radio, there's always something directly on point that applies to whatever story they're involved with, whether it's a murder, whether it's global warming, whether it's a nuclear attack, whatever it is, as soon as you turn on the TV or as soon as you turn on the radio, that news story is running. I know you want to advance the plot, but seriously, what are the odds? If I want a news story about something that I'm interested in and I turn on the TV, it takes me 10 minutes to find the right channel or the right headline on Twitter or wherever I happen to be looking. It's never like that. And what about this line? This line comes up all the time. She's right behind me, isn't she? Whenever you're talking about somebody who you don't think is there, you're saying something icky about somebody, that person always pops up right behind you in the scene. Now, this one applies in both romantic comedies and in horror pictures. If you're saying something icky about the person you're supposed to be in love with, all of a sudden, they're right behind you. If you're laying out the plans for taking out the boogeyman, all of a sudden, everybody is looking and frightened, and the hero says, he's right behind me, isn't he? Happens all the time, doesn't it? Now, what about the supervillain who's caught a little too easily? Turns out, he wanted to get caught. Nobody ever sees through this, do they? Supervillain is escorted in in handcuffs. He just walked up and surrendered. We found him sitting on the subway. Whenever the supervillain is caught just a little too easily, you know he wanted to get caught. Nobody ever sees this. Nobody ever questions it. They just throw him in the jail and wait for the next horrible thing to happen. And it always does. Now, what about the weird noise that happens while you're sleeping or sitting alone in your living room in the movie? You hear a floorboard creak. You hear a rattle in the kitchen, and the suspenseful music plays, and you tiptoe into the kitchen, you tiptoe up the stairs, and it's just the cat. They give you that jump scare moment where, and it's the cat on the top of the stairs. Or, just to change it up a little, they might have your friend sneaking in to get a beer out of the fridge. It's always something innocuous. That fake jump scare makes me crazy. I don't mind if you're going to scare me. Don't give me the fake stuff, though. The other one that drives me crazy is the... I promise I'll tell you everything later. That line is often followed with, You'll just have to trust me. No, just tell them what's going on. Why do I have to trust you? If you explain it, things will go much more easily. Why do I have to trust you? It'll take you less time to tell me why we're raiding the castle than for me to stand there questioning you, going, well, but why? But I don't get it. But what's supposed to happen? Just tell me. I'll explain it later. No, tell me now. This one happens in television shows mostly, but it happens in movies too. The captain of the detectives tells the lead protagonist, You're off the case! They're always off the case. And yet, they're never off the case. They always work the case. Every single time they're off the case, they stay on the case. When's the last time you saw somebody get told, You're off the case! And they take a vacation and go to Hawaii for a week. It never happens. This next one is courtesy of the technological age we're living in now. The CSI guys say, Zoom in Enhance. You get a picture of a car at an intersection 500 feet away. And the lead detective says, Can you zoom in on that? See if we can get the license number off of that. I have some pretty good software on my computer for enhancing pictures. I take some pretty high resolution pictures. Zoom in Enhance is not a thing. I mean, it's a great plot device. But Zoom in Enhance, it doesn't work that way. And finally, it still happens today, we have these old school bomb makers who still put digital timers on their bombs and carefully color code their wires so that they're much easier to diffuse. Why doesn't the bomb builder make all of the wires the same color? Isn't it cheaper to buy a bundle of red wires than to very carefully pick out the red, yellow, and blue wires? Just get the volume discount on a large reel of red wire and use that. And why does the bomb always have to tick down? I know it's dramatic effect, but seriously, we've seen the dramatic effect too, too many times. Every once in a while, it's pulled off with some style, with the tick-tock-tick-tock tick-tock timer thing. But every time you see the bomb ticking down, every single time, you know they're going to diffuse it. You know they're going to diffuse it with one second, maybe two seconds left on the clock. And maybe this is a function of the fact that I've seen far too many bombs diffused with one or two seconds left on the clock. Maybe this plays well for people who haven't ever seen a movie before. But the digital TikTok? Oh my God, is that tedious. And it's always the red LED clock radio display, isn't it? If you're going to give me a bomb, give me something unique. Give me something new. Don't give me a carefully color-coded bomb with a red TikTok. It's been done. Try something new. So there's 10 overrated movies and 10 more movie tropes. And yeah, I'll keep them coming because I've got a lot. Please let me know what you think about the movies. Let me know what you think about the tropes. And feel free to share yours too. I always love to hear from you guys. that's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to spend your time with me. I really do appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.